Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Plus, save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. Thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection and unify risk management. Get $1,000 off Vanta by going to vanta.com slash hardfork. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash hardfork for $1,000 off. Kara Swisher, and you're listening to Sway. It's been a crazy few months for streamers and media. There was a nasty battle within the AT&T, Warner, and Discovery deal culminating in the shutdown of CNN+. Netflix is bleeding subscribers. Vice is up for sale. And of course, you might have heard, Elon Musk is trying to take over Twitter. Here to talk about it are two of my pals, Matt Bellany, founding partner at Puck News, and Ben Smith, the former New York Times media reporter who is gearing up to launch a new startup called Semaphore. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kara. Cool. So let, we're going to go through this bang, 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 okay? Bang, bang, because you guys are that kind of people. So, Ben, let me start with you. Does it seem like particularly crazy in the media space, or has it always been like this, and we just get to hear about it on Twitter so much? No, I think there are these, like, periodic spasms and moments of change, and we're in the middle of one. Mm-hmm. And how would you characterize it? I mean, I think a lot of the forces that people have been talking about for you know, been talking about for a long time, a shift from trust in institutions to individuals, a, you know, shift towards subscriptions, a, um, you know, a sort of end of a kind of social media age are all really like beginning to become real around the same time. And people are trying to build businesses in a new moment the way a lot of us tried to, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So Matt, talk a little bit about where you think it is right now. You write a lot about the changing things. And it's interesting because I read you religiously and you go back and forth on a lot of stuff of where it's going. So I'd love to get your sort of high level idea of what's happening right now. Because it it seems like everything is up for grabs. Absolutely. If you look at what's happened over the past three decades in the entertainment business, there's been a pretty solid business model built on the linear cable business. And everybody knows that that is not going to last forever. So over the past five to seven years, you've seen all of these legacy companies completely discard their business model and chase these streaming customers because Netflix had been so successful to get to 220 million subscribers around the world. So then what happens when the business model that you are chasing is absolutely under attack by Wall Street? I mean, Netflix has lost about 70% of its value in the past few months. And there's a real sense of dread and anxiety around Hollywood. Oh my God, what did we do? We tossed aside a pretty good business to chase this bottomless pit of money that it takes to compete in the global streaming race. And what if the promised billion subscribers that are supposedly going to be there thanks to the Netflix model, what if those don't materialize? What does that leave us now? But the old model wasn't particularly going to stay. It's like saying, you know, what about the print subscription if this internet thing doesn't work out, you know, kind of thing. I think that's real. And I think that's the problem because nobody knows what to fall back on. You can't just go back to the cable business because everybody knows that that is ultimately not going away. The problem is the cable business still throws off billions of dollars in profit each year. So there's this push pull among these companies where they have this 
revenue generator and they have this other business they know they need to be in, but the other business is not going to be as good as the current business. Correct. So it's that digital dimes for analog dollars kind of thing. Um, But Ben, talk about that idea of where, how you, because you're starting a media company right now, which is always a good time to start in a downturn, honestly. For that's the old trope, essentially. How do you look at the idea of that they don't have a business to go to necessarily that's ready, but the old business isn't going to come back? I mean, ultimately, you got to start with consumers, right, who are in this new place and have been trained to, you know, get what they want on demand digitally, whose problems that they're worried about, which is to say that they're overwhelmed with choice and with quantity. They don't know what to trust. Those are new problems that they that aren't really solvable, you know, by going backward either. And so I think, you know, I mean, right. I think I think that does make for a really good time to start something if you really can kind of stay focused on, you know, on on, on what actually and what people actually want. And I do think, in a way, that is pro- that another, you know, the other era that's ending is this notion that that Netflix embodied also that you just spend unlimited money, all you care about is growth. You know, you make up your losses on volume. I think you know. I think if you're starting something now, and this is certainly true of us, and I think it's true of Puck and, and a lot of the other people starting, you're thinking a lot about building a business. That's correct. So let's talk about Netflix. Netflix has been losing subscribers and expects to keep losing them. Stock fell 35% in one day. It's really down quite far. What is the situation, Matt, in Hollywood with that? Because they were the free spenders. Ted Sarandos kind of swanned around all of Hollywood. Um, what is their situation now? Because there's also schadenfreude about Netflix, which I think is probably... Partly deserved, but at the same time, they kind of liked what Netflix was doing, which is changing the relations between talent and studios. Uh, Yeah, I mean, beyond the normal schadenfreude that you see when, you know, the outlet that has been completely overpaying talent for the past 10 years, which has been picking off executives one by one, doubling their salaries, bringing them over to this upstart that has been fueled by a stock market run up and free debt that they have just been spending, spending, spending. The correction has absolutely caused everyone in Hollywood to be like, oh, you know, see, maybe we weren't so dumb to have these other businesses. But then they look at their own business and say, wait a second, our stock is down too because we are all tethered to this anchor. And if they go down, we're all kind of going down with them. Um, So I don't think that there is a, you know, there is a feeling that people want Netflix to go out of business. I mean, it is pumping $17 billion to $18 billion of spending into the content ecosystem every year. Even if they pull back, it's a huge, huge spender. So I think that there's this kind of love-hate relationship within the Hollywood community towards Netflix, where at this point, Hollywood sort of needs Netflix Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ben, in terms of what it represents? Because, you know, I still believe in the model, the digital content model. Yeah, I mean, I just think there have been these distortions that came with just massive amounts of private capital, of capital from the public markets flowing into businesses, you know, from Netflix to taxis. And, you know, that among other things, subsidized all of our lifestyles and also subsidized our, you know, elements of our, particularly if you were in the studio business, of our businesses that, and, and that's rationalizing and going away. And there's a lot of reckoning across all sorts of things from how much you pay for an Uber to, you know, how much studio revenue should you be expecting as a media company um, that I think are going to have to readjust. Meaning upward and downward because Ubers now are expensive. Yeah, but, and you know, that doesn't mean these things are fake businesses or that you're mm-hmm, going to go back to standing all. out on the street hold, hailing a taxi. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, you know, there's always, there's an over, often an overreaction in these moments as well. So when you look at something like Netflix, what replaces it? First, Ben, and then Matt. 
what is it? A- Apple, which is coming. They bought slow horses. They seem like they have a little bit of momentum and endless you know, cash. Don't you think, I mean, I just think, and this is, you know, Matt is much wiser on this than I am, but it just seems like, you know, the, the old realities of Hollywood being a hit business in which you watch shows that you get obsessed with because the creative is great, you know, is ultimately clawing back a lot of the a lot of Netflix's smoke and mirrors and, and, you know, HBO max, which had the worst imaginable launch, whose tech is still totally unusable has better content. And so I'm sort of forcing, and I think a lot of other people are kind of forcing themselves to watch that. And ultimately they'll figure out how to make a video player work. We're not talking about sending people to Mars right. here. Yeah. It's been a while. What do you think, Matt? Is it Apple, but not, you didn't mention Apple or, or Amazon, which have scads of money. No, and they're doing, and I think it will probably continue to spend, but I, I guess I'm just, you know, going back to the truism that this is a content business, not a tech business in the end. Mm-hmm. Matt? Yeah, there are two things about Apple and Amazon. First is they have no actual accountability or even business model around their content plays. I mean, this has been purely a, I don't want to say a vanity play, but it really is. I mean, I saw Eddie Q and Tim Cook at the Oscars at the governor's ball right after the show when they won best picture. And the look on their faces was we're in the game, you know, we're players now. And like that intoxication is very powerful. It's also very dangerous because it keeps people in businesses that aren't necessarily great businesses. And Apple has been spending hundreds of millions of dollars on content. Are they getting a return on it? They seem to be interested in spending more. We don't know. Ultimately, they may be playing the long game, saying we have, you know, we have a a valuation that nobody else can top. So we're just going to spend to be the ultimate winner in this space that Hollywood loves Apple right now because they're spending like Amazon. They're spending like Netflix is spending. They're buying all the big packages with a little more respect. Correct. Yeah. And they're trying to be HBO. They're not trying to be CBS, which is what Netflix ultimately was trying to be. And if they can spend, spend, spend to become a version of HBO for the digital age, they're not quite there yet, then that's Yeah, good. that's where they're exactly where they're going, actually. The second thing is, is that, you know, the actual winner, Apple and Amazon are trying to become the gateway for all content online. They want the interface to not just be where you go to watch Apple TV Plus and Severance or Coda. They want you to go there to get any channel, any movie, anything on the internet. And if you go there to buy, you know, to rent pay-per-view or to go through, you know, to another network, if it's an HBO channel or something else, that's the ultimate goal because those two, unlike the other competitors in media right now, those two are the distributors. They are the platforms. And ultimately, the platform is where the real value to those companies is. Yeah, which was a weakness of Netflix for a long time. I always thought they should got bought by one of those. But what does it mean that that Netflix is adding ad-supported tier, something they said they'd never do? Ben? I mean, you know, it's just a reminder that these companies, the, the notion that people have principles around where they get their revenue <laughs> from is ridiculous. And and I mean, it's I think it's something that probably Matt and I have also both learned in our startups, you know, again, in the last few years, you have a theory, but you have to be really, you know, it's just that you shouldn't be ideological about this stuff. And Netflix was positioning itself in a certain way, that, which, which made absolutely perfect sense until they had one really bad quarter. Right. What about you, Matt? What do you think? Yeah, I think that this is absolutely a recalibration. They're looking at the total addressable market, as they say, for streaming video. And they're saying, wow, we are probably not going to get to that six, seven, eight hundred million subscriber number unless we offer a cheaper product. They have actual competitors now, which they didn't for the first five to seven years of their streaming business. They have these companies pulling back their content. 
you know, the big drivers of Netflix over the years has been, yes, the originals, but also the library movies, all of these old movies. Until three or four years ago, you could watch Disney movies on Netflix. I mean, it's not that long ago. And the fact that Disney now has pulled all that stuff back, they've got to grow, they've got to grow somehow. And the way you grow, all of these streaming companies are going to offer less expensive ad-driven tiers because that's what the consumer wants. All right. So will Netflix get bought? Is that a possibility? Roku is also a possibility. I mean, it's much more likely now than it was six months ago. I mean, look at the stock. They were out of reach for most companies until recently. Um, I think ultimately that makes the most sense for them because if they're looking at the long-term play here, these other legacy companies have 100, but their competitors have 100 years of experience in the content business and the library and the intellectual property to compete. Netflix is trying desperately to create intellectual property that is meaningful to the consumer. They haven't been able to do it because movies on streaming do not create franchises. I think that's pretty well established at this point. And they don't have, you know, the Disney library or these characters. They bought the Roll Doll estate. Squid Game did pretty well. They do pretty well at a lot of things. Oh, I'm yeah, absolutely. I mean, Netflix has hits. Don't get me wrong. They can launch a hit on streaming like nobody else. I mean, Squid Game is not possible on any other streaming service right now. But Squid Game is one show. You can't build a service off one unless show. Unless they do. Unless they build the thing. What do, what do you think, Ben, about them getting bought? They could merge with Roku. There's all kinds. And who would buy them? You know, I don't have a real theory on this. They, they remain very expensive for almost anybody. And I also think that, you know, it's not a political environment where, you know, I don't think either a Republican or a Democratic administration is going to be thrilled about more consolidation. Yeah, unless it's a Hollywood company, for example, or Roku, Netflix hookup or something like that. even the Hollywood companies. I mean, only at this point, Disney yeah, maybe. only Disney, probably. And if it's Disney, then you have real antitrust issues. Yes, indeed you do. All right, speaking of which, um, they, things aren't so rosy for Hollywood companies. Movie theater issues, Matt, you've written up a lot about. Talk a little bit about this. Um, you know, Top Gun's about to come out. I'm going to a premiere. I'm not telling you where, but it's a good one. Um and, and there are British people there. But oh, nonetheless... The London, I know where it is. The London Royal <laughs> none, screening. <laughs> none, I'm not telling you, but I'm going. So and I'm wearing a tuxedo. So, um, And I'm wearing my aviators. My aviators, not Tom Cruise's aviators. Oh, wow. Is that your sort of fashion inspiration? No. He, he like your original me. fashion no, inspiration? No, no, okay. no. Do you wear leather jackets? Just thinking too? kind of as a mood no, board. No, right. that was back in the, the old lesbian days. But <laughs> so... Um, Top Gun is coming out. That's the latest one. Obviously, um, Doctor Strange, the, the sequel, Doctor Strange came out. There's a whole bunch of stuff on tap. Um, you did pull back a little bit because you, you were talking about lost moviegoers. I am one of those, I, I suspect, except for Top Gun. Well, you are a perfect example because you are a lost moviegoer, except for the big franchise movie That's that correct. you care very much about. And you're going to go back to the theater for That's that. It. And you know what we've seen over the past couple of years, the pandemic absolutely changed the movie theater business. I mean, pre-pandemic, it was very common um, to, it, it, was a, it was enforced, basically, that you had to have a 90, 120-day theatrical window where movies would play exclusively there. Now that's all gone. Most of the studios are using either a 45-day window or sometimes less. Um, sometimes if you're Top Gun and you're Tom Cruise, you can push for that 120 days and he's actually getting that. But for the most part, this is a hybrid business now where only the biggest franchises play in movie theaters. We're seeing a third fewer movies in theaters this summer than in 2019. That is gigantic. And the numbers are down significantly. Absolutely. The first quarter was down 40%. Now, that was COVID impacted. The summer, this is being called the first you know, post-COVID summer. It's not really because the studios are still pretty squeamish on what they're putting in theaters. So we're seeing the box office probably for 2022 will be down 
depending on the estimates, 20 to 40 percent from 2019. And I think it's going to be a real struggle to get back to that normal. Even the CEO of AMC Entertainment, the biggest theater owner in the country, they say it's not going to get back to normal until 2025. Maybe. Oh, maybe. no way. It's not even going to get, that's that's just made up. I'm sorry. My kids do not go to movie theaters. Not for nothing. They watch everything on the big screen at home. Uh, Even Marvel? No, don't care. Don't care. And all their friends don't care. Yeah, I took, I took my son to the IMAX, uh, the IMAX screening. Maybe the IMAX, yeah. And he was suitably impressed. And I do, yeah, I think IMAX thinks, talks about themselves as the uh, best house in a bad neighborhood. And there is some sense of like, the AMC just putting one foot in front of another in terms in trying to get people back to kind of miserable, filthy old theaters seems very, very difficult. But I don't know. I do think the cultural pendulum is swinging. Restaurants in New York City are very, very full. People are looking for in-person experiences. I wouldn't rule out that somebody figures out a creative way to do something that feels different. It needs to be a premium business. I mean, it's pretty clear that the United States is overscreened. There are too many movie theaters in the U.S. for the product that is out there. So there needs to be a thinning of the herd of these you know, low-performing, bad, dirty, awful movie theaters. I mean, look at the music business. The music business is absolutely thriving right now. Live comedy, thriving. All of these in-person experiential businesses are going through the roof. It's movie theaters that are considered low rent and, you know, down market. Right. What movie did you see at IMAX, Ben? Uh, The new Marvel, uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. So your son liked it. Did he beg to go again? He would have gone to see it in the theater anyway because of the window and he wanted to see it. But he was like definitely impressed. It felt like, okay, like this is this is different from watching it at home, not just because of the window. I think that's the difference. You know, one thing, Kara, that I push back on a lot is this notion that the consumer choice is always going to win in these mm. situations. Because I think in all media, and it's what a Hollywood perspective. I know it is, it is a and very I Hollywood just, I, perspective. I said nothing, Ben. I said nothing. But, but go ahead. you know what? It's proving to be right because I think it's very clear at this point that the day and date strategy, which means you release the movie on a streaming service the same day it's in theaters. That is not a sustainable business for big budget entertainment in Hollywood. It's just not. I mean, we, mm. you need that window of exclusivity. Right. We'll be back in a minute. If you like this interview and want to hear others, follow us on your favorite podcast app. You'll be able to catch up on Sway episodes you may have missed, like my conversation with Bob Iger, and you'll get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Matt Bellany and Ben Smith after the break. If you had more time in the day, would you take a nap, read a book, talk with a friend? When something's important to you, it's easier to make time for it. Therapy can help you decide what matters most. BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on your schedule. Start the process in minutes and switch therapists anytime. Make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HardFork today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HardFork. Hey there, it's Ira Glass from This American Life. If you don't know our show, it's true stories that unfold like little movies for radio. Lots of them funny with surprising moments and plot twists. We've been on the radio for years. And we've teamed up with The New York Times to bring you new episodes of This American Life a full day and a half where you can find them anywhere else online. And the place you can do that is the New York Times audio app every Saturday morning. In the app, you also find the best of our archive, hundreds of episodes, 
plus This American Life shorts, which are handpicked stories when you're in the mood to hear something good, but you don't have time for a whole episode. And the New York Times audio app, can I say, is chock full of tons of other stories and podcasts curated every day for those moments that you want to listen to something and you don't know what you want to listen to. You can download it at nytimes.com slash audio app and subscribe to start listening. And if you're not already a New York Times subscriber, well, this is another reason to become one. Again, that's nytimes.com slash audio app. All right, let's move on to CNN Plus. Ben, I want you to lead this one. Uh, what is your take on the, the shutdown? Is it just a signal of cost cutting to Wall Street by David Zasloff? Like, I can cut something and here's a nice big fat hand to take out. I mean, I think it's partly that. I think it's partly you have somebody who's running, you know, a bunch of food programming comes in and says, why are you making all this expensive food programming at CNN? Like, I, we have the Food Network, you know, but... But I don't know. I think actually people underestimate what a difficult position, as you were talking about before, these cable companies are in. They have this incredibly profitable business, which prevents them contractually from moving anything interesting to the internet, and yet are under obvious pressure to build a new digital presence. And so I don't think it was crazy for them to think, okay, we better try to find a path in digital. But by the way, the obvious path is you put CNN, which is incredibly high quality and valuable and breaking news moments, on the internet, you can't do that. So it's not like they're total idiots. They're in a really difficult box. You could have gone either way. Zaslav killed it because it was expensive. But I don't really know, you know, in 10 years, I mean, you know, the numbers watching CNN most of the time are trivial. It spikes up during breaking news, but increasing numbers of people aren't going to be able to go there and will go somewhere else during breaking news. I mean, it's a, it's a real challenge for them. So cutting it was what? So what? Who cares? Kind of thing. I mean, it, I think it was an, ex- it was, it was absolutely an acknowledgement of the challenge that that company is facing. They have to cut $3 billion in order to make this deal make sense. You had this $400 million albatross just sitting there. It was just launched. They didn't want it to launch. They had a CEO battle over whether it would launch before the deal closed. Cut bait. It's very easy. That's that's the easy decision. Oh, straightforward call. Yeah, straightforward. Call. One thing it means is that they're not going to sell CNN. One way to resolve their huge debt issues would have been to solve CNN, to sell CNN. I think they'll wind up regretting that. News organizations as part of entertainment companies, you know, are a massive headache unless you like Rupert Murdoch are using to will, you just want to use them as a political cudgel to drive your profit margins. If you're not willing to do that, which that's probably isn't, it's, you know, it's just going to be, it's, it's very difficult. It's going to be I don't know. I don't really see how that integrates with the rest of their business, and it'll cause them huge political problems. So what happens to it? CNN. What does he do? What happens to CNN? What does David Zaslav do? See, I actually disagree. I think CNN is a really valuable brand. And ultimately, where all of these companies are going is one fully integrated streaming service that can be all things to everybody around the globe. And if you are Warner Brothers Discovery and you have HBO Max, you have the best premium scripted content you now with the discovery stuff you have the best i use that with air quotes reality programming you now have sports via the turner networks and you now have the number one news brand around the world cnn as a tile on hbo max is a very valuable proposition i think gosh i feel like the the tile thing is a dog's breakfast i don't know i just feel that's not how i think of these things yeah 
I think the notion, there's always this idea that news works well as part of a conglomerate. And I think news companies are ultimately So where does it go? Ben, where does it go? Does it get sold? No, I Elon think they Musk made a decision by killing the, by sort of deciding there's no immediate digital future for CNN, that there's right. no standalone future for CNN. That there's, and therefore no stand, that couldn't get bought by another it's a tile. CNN's a tile, yeah. But Just think a about tile. if you're trying to distinguish yourself from Netflix and truly compete around the world. What are two things that Netflix does not currently do? Sports and news. And HBO Max can potentially do both and do them at a premium level that if you are a news consumer and you've cut the cord, there is some version of a CNN product that might make sense as part of a HBO Max service. You could rebrand it. You could call it HBO Max Now or HBO Max Next Now. I think it'll be great. Very hot. <laughs> plus, plus, plus. Oh, for the yeah. love of Jake Tapper. Okay, but his book, his book show... Really good. No, I'm what kidding. was what was his initial book know. recommendation? I, I sadly Barton's I did not watch Jake Tapper's book club. I I don't I don't know I don't know I I did I think I think it's good. Warner Discovery is going to get sold to someone else. That's my predictions. Um, so finishing up with CNN and cable news, you did a fantasy uh, draft of streaming services. Zaslav HBO Max was your first pick, followed by Netflix and Amazon Prime. Why is that? And then Ben, your picks. Why did I pick HBO Max first? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think because they have the killer app. They've got all of the things that people want to consume. They have news. They have sports. They have premium scripted content with HBO and 30 years of experience doing that. And they, they have, have Guy the, Fieri. They have, they Guy, have Fieri. Guy Fieri. They have uh, the reality stuff. It's a fully integrated one. They have it all. As long as they deploy it correctly, and there's a lot of challenges because HBO is a wholesale business around the world, meaning the HBO Max brand does not exist yet in places like the UK, where they have the Sky deal for all the content. But in 10 years, HBO Max, if they play their cards right, will be the service around the world. Okay. and Bigger than Netflix, in my opinion. And and what about you, Ben? I agree with Matt on, on HBO Max. I mean, their biggest problem is they can't make their video player work, and YouTube solved that 20 years ago, and I'm sure they'll be able to figure it out. It really is bad. It really is bad. And that debt. It's embarrassing. But it's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. You're right. It's extremely easy to fix. And beyond that, yeah, Yeah. they have have the content. I mean, I actually think that that I would put Amazon's. I mean, I think that marketplace you know, notion of a a, is is a really major threat to all these guys. And, you know, if you're willing to pay three bucks every couple of nights, you know, for a movie, you obviously have so much more choice than you ever will on Netflix. You know, and obviously Apple and Amazon are competing for that space, but I think that is a really viable space. All right. Vice Media, digital media is considering a sale. Who's going to buy it? Once it was valued over uh, over almost $6 billion, is that a realistic price? Obviously not. Isn't that, I mean, Vice will probably be sold for parts, right? I mean, the, the, the Vice studio actually is a decent asset. I mean, you have this incredible boom right now in nonfiction content. The streamers all want these kind of quasi-elevated docu-series things that can go three, four, ten episodes, like true crime, scandal of the month, that kind of stuff. And Vice is good at that. They can produce that stuff. So that, w- that would be valuable to someone. The rest of it, I don't get. Ben? Yeah, I mean, that, the, I think their challenge is they have, a, they have like four different businesses, kind of all of them losing money. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Studio, the studio, and the studio has a library that I think they're licensing to Hulu right now. Agree with you. That's a valuable thing. I mean, James Murdoch, who, you know, whose mission in life appears to be building a competitor or, or some check on Fox News, you know, is now an investor, Jesse Angelo, who he's close to as the president. The notion that Vice News could become James Murdoch's news property 
shearing off a lot of the rest of the company, you know, selling off the studio, the agency. Uh, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. I feel bad for Nancy Dubuque. I think she <laughs> God's work in there. Tough um, but job. Tough job. Absolutely. Last thing. Twitter. Twitter. What's going to happen? Is the deal going to go through? I'll let Ben take this one. I would not. I, I think betting against this deal in public has, you know, led to the collapse of many of my best friends' reputations. So I'm not going to do that. I mean, I, you know, I, I, who knows? One thing I would say that I think people underestimate is that social networks are very, very fragile. And we're watching Facebook collapse in real time right now that we thought would never happen. I mean, I don't think this is inevitable or even likely, but you, you know, somebody leans the wrong way on the wrong part of Twitter and we could just all leave and never come back. That is what has happened to every social network and other fashionable gathering place in history. Right, right. And so could happen here. What shocks me is that it appears that Elon Musk has not really thought through the whole content moderation problem. Yeah. He seems to think that, you know, oh, we'll just invite Trump back. Well, Trump was banned because of multiple violations of the terms of service of Twitter. So what are the terms of service of Twitter going to be going forward if Donald Trump is going to be let back on? And the the content moderation is a real problem. This is why Disney never bought Twitter. They looked and they said, you know what? We can't deal with this problem. This is why advertisers are skittish of the Twitter platform. If he thinks that he's going to switch it over to a subscription site, good luck on that. You already see people like, really, I'm going to pay for the nonsense that I see on Twitter. No, nobody's going to pay for that. So I think that they're really going to have a problem on monetizing it. And these rosy projections that he has put out are really naive. Well, he's making them up. But I, that said, just I do be, think be there clear. is some sort he's, of Gordian. He's just he's saying what? them. He's just saying them. You, you I know, know that. that's true. And yes. But, you, know, but you, don't think, you don't think he actually yeah. believes that he can turn Twitter into a diversified no, I think, business? I think he can bring it into a private thing and then send it public again, possibly. that's what. Yeah, and there are definitely some Gordian knots around Twitter and some and some endless hand-wringy conversations that he could quite well just push through and maybe that'll be really valuable. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I'm still addicted. You're still addicted, but the stock of Tesla is dropping like, a, like every other tech stock right now. Very it could be prob- that could be problematic as things continue to rock. So that's my last question. Stock market dropping like a stone largely because of tech. What happens with media? I mean, Ben, you're starting a media company. How does it feel out there right now? VCs are losing their minds. Someone's called it a shit show, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I mean, I think, you know, we are a small business. We're getting a lot of excitement and confidence and have, you know, largely closed our fundraising. So, so I'm not, I don't maybe have the absolute latest on that. But yeah, but it's obviously a, a different. It's going to be. It's a different climate now than it was a few months ago. The you know the way in which crypto is falling in tandem with the market is obviously new and pretty meaningful. Mm-hmm. What about what do you think is going to affect Hollywood and media in that regard? You know, Hollywood's been an interesting outlier in previous recessions because you know people tend to retreat into cheaper forms of entertainment. But it is a fiction to think that these companies will not be impacted because they've all changed their models to imitate the tech companies. You know, Disney rose in the stock market throughout the pandemic because investors were convinced that the Walt Disney Company, a 90-something-year-old media company, was now a tech player. So they've really had a correction based on that. I think there's going to be some real hard looks at the models that these companies have bet on, and they're going to fall back on a more diversified strategy, meaning, yes, we want a global streaming platform, but we're not going to pay through the nose to create one. We're going to have 
are different businesses. I mean, David Zasloff at Warner Discovery has already said this. We're not going to overpay to win the streaming wars. We don't think that there's much marginal value in having 15 great HBO shows rather than 10 great HBO shows. And I think that is going to be the model going forward for the next couple of years to ride this out. Spend to compete, don't spend to win. Yeah, and maybe don't bet on, and maybe the, the notion of these stocks as sort of vehicles for sort of ideological fantasies about the future is also a casualty of this. I mean, the, the happiest investors right now are the ones who've invested in arms and oil and not ESG, yeah. and not the bright future of Tesla. And I do think that's also a real shift. A shift. All right, last thing. One quick prediction from each of you or one company you think is going to shine over the next, I'm going to just make it a year because who the fuck knows. Um, Matt? You know what? I actually think a company like Roku is pretty well positioned. Roku has been known as a you know dongle company, a connectivity to streaming services, and they've really been hit hard because all of these other companies are now you know coming up with their own connectivity. Roku is pushing into the content space as a differentiator here and trying to create you know real shows and and library of content. And I think that's probably the best strategy for them because they could be a real player here. They do have this captive audience of people that use the Roku service to connect to their streaming services. And that's the real power play here is going after people, not on a hit by hit basis, but based on their actual platform that they use. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see if Roku can utilize that platform to also supplement it with different shows and movies and things. And I think you're going to see them bounce back. All right, Ben. You know, I find it strange that in conversations like this, it, it, we don't we don't say the words TikTok as much as we should, but just obviously TikTok just remains an unbelievable juggernaut, you know, just leveling everything in its path. At some point, the U.S. government will probably cause it a massive amount of trouble, but probably not this year. I literally spent an hour and a half last night listening to ASMR sand cutting. It was fantastic. Wow. I know. TMI. Try it. Try it. You'll <laughs> see. I was very pleased and very happy. So you're with saying my that Reels is not going to kill TikTok? No. No, I love TikTok and <laughs> only, I use it on a burner Joe phone. Joe Biden and Donald Trump will kill TikTok. They have to do something. You're 100% right. They, really? What? I you, do. You, you I don't do. want, the, you're, you're okay with Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> having your information, but not the Chinese government? I do not use Facebook. That is so irrational. I, I, <laughs> I don't care. I feel good about it. I feel good about my <laughs> sand cutting and my burner phone. And it's a great experience for Kara Swisher. Now that you've said it, you need a new burner. <laughs> no, they're not going to find this one. All right. Okay. Um, thank you guys so much. Thanks, Kara. Thanks, Kara. Sway is a production of New York Times Opinion. It's produced by Naima Raza, Blakeney Schick, Daphne Chen, Caitlin O'Keefe, and Wyatt Orm. With original music by Isaac Jones, mixing by Sonia Herrero and Carol Saburo, and fact-checking by Kate Sinclair, Michelle Harris, and Mary Marge Locker. Special thanks to Shannon Busta, Kristen Lynn, and Christina Samuluski. The senior editor of Sway is Naima Raza. And the executive producer of New York Times Opinion Audio is Irene Noguchi. If you're in a podcast app already, you know how to get your podcasts, so follow this one. If you're listening on the Times website and want to get each new episode of Sway delivered to you, along with a burner phone for all your TikTok viewing needs, download any podcast app, then search for Sway and follow the show. We release every Monday and Thursday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.